Welcome to the Teacher Transition Podcast, where we celebrate the amazing things former teachers are now doing outside of the classroom. And where teachers who are considering making a move of their own can find the resources, guidance, and support that they need to take their next steps. I'm your host, Allie Parrish, and I'm so glad that you're here. Are you ready for another interview with a former teacher turned instructional designer? In this episode, my good friend Lara is going to be sharing how she went from being an elementary school teacher to becoming an instructional designer. Not only has she done work with companies and organizations, but she's especially worked at universities and not just one, but multiple. She's going to share what her work role is like in that setting, some of the things she enjoys the most, how you don't have to have a master's degree in order to work in the field, and so much more. Okay, let's jump in. Laura, thanks so much for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. You bet. Okay, so Laura and I taught in the same school district in kind of a, would you describe it as a rural area? Like, it's not like it's a big city area. No, definitely more rural. Yes. Yeah. And then Lara went into, well, she taught second grade. Mm -hmm. And then she went into instructional design and she has interned at some really exciting places and she has worked um, with multiple companies and organizations and she's worked at universities as a course administrator overseeing online, all of their online education program and as an instructional designer. So um, we're so excited to hear kind of the practical things, you know, of what did you do in these roles and kind of get a tour of that. And then, um, yeah, maybe a deeper dive into life as an instructional designer, what you do day to day and yeah, excited to have you share any of it with us. So, okay, great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so like Ali said, I taught, and then I actually went back to school at Brigham Young University, and I studied instructional psychology and technology, a little bit of a mouthful, and while I was a grad student, I had the opportunity to intern at the Department of Education in D.C. in their Office of Educational Technology, Uh, and that was a great experience to be able to see kind of that higher view of education and policy. And then I also interned at Deseret Digital Media, working with them to put their face-to-face workshops into an online learning format. Uh, And those are both good experiences to see a little bit of what I was interested in or to just see how different organizations work. And I decided I wanted to stick with higher education. And so my first job was with Utah Valley University as an instructional designer. And I'll just give an overview and then we'll come back and go into some details. You bet, you bet. (laughs) And then uh, I worked at BYU as a courses administrator. And then now I'm in Tucson at the University of Arizona as a senior instructional designer. So uh, as an instructional designer in higher education, uh, it's working with professors uh, to put their course online. And so it's working with them. I mean, similarly to teaching, the focus is a lot on learning objectives and alignment and that backwards design. So thinking about what your end goal is. So what do you want students to be able to know and do at the end of the course? And then working backwards and making sure that assessments and assignments all align with that. 
um, and working in the LMS. So at two of the institutions we worked with Canvas and currently at U of A, we're working in D2L, which is with Brightspace. And sometimes if people are oh. like, wait, D2L, that's desire to learn. It's a different LMS. Yeah, um, so question, before having these jobs, did you already know Canvas? Did you already know D2L? Because I know some teachers that are in our instructional design course, they're like, oh, I, I don't know this already. I can't apply to something because I don't know it already. But Yeah, great question and legitimate concern. Uh, so I was somewhat familiar with Canvas because in my grad program, I had taken classes in Canvas. Um, and before this job at U of A, I had no experience with D2L. And so... I wouldn't be worried if you're not totally familiar with these. The great thing with Canvas is you can get a free account. So I would recommend if you are applying for a job or interested that you hop on a free account. The community is big. There's lots of tutorials and easy step-by-step instructions. Um, and so I would play around in it a little bit because um, I think that is beneficial in selling yourself, letting them know that, yes, you do have some familiarity with an LMS. Okay, so yeah, what, what are some of the things that you really enjoy about the work that you do as an instructional designer at a university and kind of what is it like in the day-to-day? Yeah. Or if you want to take us through the different roles, obviously you've had a lot of different roles, which is so awesome. If you want to take us through some of the different roles in the day-to-day. Great, yeah. So, okay, so some of the things that I like about being an instructional designer, it's nice to still have that interaction with professors um, and to see their different courses and to think about students and their success because that's something you really I really enjoyed as a teacher Um, and the other nice thing too about working at a higher ed institution is you can take advantage of the learning opportunities on campus so if I wanted to take more classes or if I want to go attend a workshop or there's just a lot of opportunities for professional development and growth and they often encourage it which is really nice and day-to-day in my job now and at UVU um, it was a lot of scheduling meetings with professors talking with them about their courses um, a lot of building in the LMS so taking the content that they gave me and and putting it in Canvas or D2L a lot of uh, and in my courses administrator job it was It was some sort of technical support. I mean, if people had some Canvas questions, they were calling me to troubleshoot it and or using me to to get to some IT or also overseeing things like ordering textbooks and um, kind of more of those logistics things, thinking about the long-term growth of the organization, I guess. (laughs) If you could take those two roles. So one is courses administrator. And one is instructional designer, right? Because sometimes when a teacher or when anyone here is like, okay, I did, I I learned instructional design. I need to be an instructional designer, but really learning instructional design can lead to a variety of things. How would you describe like your work role? Here's, Here's what I did, not as an instructional designer, but as a course administrator. Like what were the roles and responsibilities with with training, I don't know, like training TAs or Mm. helping people learn Adobe Connect, you know, like what, yeah, if you could kind of give a high level of that position that instructional design helped you land. Yes. 
So with that position, because it was over online courses, it was helpful to have known the instructional design side to know uh, how the hierarchy of the program worked. And I think, too, having that teaching background was really helpful in supporting TAs and training TAs and working with professors and training professors um, because I felt confident in teaching and understood, you know, some best practices in how people learn. And so um, I was familiar with basic lesson planning. And so it was easy for me to put together a workshop or a training because I had done that every day as a teacher on a different level. Um, And so uh, the instructional design reinforced that and helped me to know how online teaching and learning worked. And so then I could combine both of those because these professors were face-to-face teachers. And so I could help them know, you know, I understand what you're going through with the face-to-face level, but I've also experienced developing a course online. So let's merge those two and, um, and with empathy, I'll help you walk through this um, because for a lot of professors, it's new, it's intimidating too. Um, and so just reassuring them that you're there to help them and it's going to be okay. So I think both of those roles really help me in that more leadership capacity uh, to, to help other professors in what they were doing. Yeah. And I do think a lot of encouragement, you know, is needed for those professors. And sometimes it's just, it's just taking the steps, you know, it's, let's just put your course online, you know, let's, let's work this through together. And so, yeah, being in that role of, of encouragement and it's nice to hear the variety, you know, if it's ordering textbooks or if it's, yeah, just a lot of different things that you do. It's not solely and exclusively building courses. So if we jump over then to your current role in Arizona as Mm -hmm. an instructional designer or senior instructional designer, actually, will you tell us a little bit about when you worked at Utah Valley University Mm-hmm. as an instructional designer what did you do then and you were were you were you a junior instructional designer oftentimes there's not a distinguishing title i know but but tell us about working there and working here and maybe that'd be helpful for people to see the variety of things that people do yeah, yeah definitely uh, so at utah valley i was in the office of teaching and learning so our office was supporting professors across campus in kind of all of their teaching and learning needs um And we worked with, so in both offices, we have a graphic design team, we have a media team, we have a tech team. And so I'm just one cog in the wheel. And so at my UVU job, uh, it was a lot of same thing, just building courses. So working with professors and then being the liaison between the professor and the video production team letting them know, hey, we want to record this lecture and, you know, guiding them through that or meeting with the graphic design team and letting them know, hey, we need these graphics or these icons. And and we also were responsible for developing professional development courses and we led workshops on uh, building an online course. So we had professors come in and, you know, we'd guide them through that and then they'd meet with us one-on-one. So there was a little bit more variety with that because it was the Office of Teaching and Learning. My current job is the the Office of Digital Learning. There's lots of acronyms in education, as we all know. But this current position is just for online courses. So it's students who are just, who are remote, who are taking classes online. Um, There's a separate office on our campus that supports professors who teach face-to-face and online campus, online 
courses for students on campus. And so my current job, also because I'm a senior instructional designer, is a little bit more management as well. So I have some employees that report to me and I uh, support them in their course development or any questions that they have. And, and then also go to you know, leadership meetings and, and those sorts of things, making decisions about how we want to um, strategize moving forward. But I still do have courses that I'm developing and uh, designing. So also working with the video team or graphic designers or professors um, to build those. So that's, that's so great. And I know this is encouraging for a lot of people in our instructional design course to hear because in the course they get exposure to a variety of these things, right? But they can also go an inch deep and a mile wide. Like I want them to see, to see a lot of it. But I know some of them have been a little intimidated, like, whoa, do I have to do the graphic design or, or the video development or the course development and know all the techie side of it? And it's just nice to know, you know, just exactly like you're describing with some companies, some universities, some organizations, you are one part of the process. You don't have to be a one man band that does it all, you know, and at other places, like some teachers really like doing the actual course development and actually working in the LMS. It's just nice to know that there's, there's a place for everyone. You know, if instructional design is what they want to do, it isn't just one job type, right? Oh yeah, definitely not. I mean, each university has been slightly different. And even when I was at the department of ed, the two, my two supervisors were instructional design graduates themselves, and they were, you know, more on the policy side. Or, I mean, we know a lot of people who have gone the corporate side. I mean, you, you know, did a little bit more of that. And so, yeah, there's a wide variety. And I think it's really just tailoring it to what you want and preparing, you know, those skills and seeking out those opportunities. Yeah, it is kind of like a gateway, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> a good gateway. Yeah. A gateway yeah. into like a lot of different options out there. And so I know sometimes when people hear, oh, instructional design, like, well, some people are like, what in the world is that? Right. Right. And sometimes it can be a little tricky to describe because it is so many different things. If it's helping create online courses, or if it's helping with the strategy for, for live trainings or helping professors, you know, there's just so many different work settings. If it's a university, if it's corporate and, and so many other things. Yeah. So that's great. What, tips would you give? Let's say, you know, if you could give advice to yourself a handful of years ago when you were in Nebo School District and you were just starting to feel like, um, I think I need to be doing something else or continue to expand myself. Do you remember being in that? Was that a hard place to be? Or maybe you just went forward naturally and quickly and didn't hesitate much with it. But what was that? A lot of teachers are currently in that circumstance of like, what do I do? And what advice would you have for them? Yes, you're not alone. Um, I It was definitely a hard spot because, as we all know, education is a very narrow field. I mean, there's pretty much only a couple of options, right? You're working in the classroom or you're working in the district or, you know, something like that, especially with elementary education, which is what I studied. Um, and so I did feel really nervous and felt like I needed a change, but didn't really know how to pivot. And I remember talking to a mentor professor that I had had at BYU who just said, well, you know, just keep going and, and the right doors will open. And I mean, that was great. I really appreciated it. But at the time too, I thought, well, what does that mean? What, what am I supposed to do? And so I just kind of started 
exploring some options. So I started going to some classes on campus in different programs. I started just talking with people that I thought their jobs sounded interesting and asked, you know, what they're doing and how they got there. And slowly found multiple people who had done instructional design and just resonated with me and and felt like a good fit because it built on what I had already been doing a lot as a teacher. And so I went forward with that. But I think I would just recommend exploring some options and seeing what sounds interesting to you and what skills are required for that and either taking some classes or doing some online tutorials or, you know, whatever it takes to kind of build those skills and, and stay positive. Also realizing that timing is everything. I had applied for grad school and I got in, but felt like I needed to teach another year. And so I deferred my enrollment for another year and and it ended up being a great thing for me in terms of in terms of opportunities. So I know maybe right now you might feel antsy and unsettled, but it's okay if it takes a little bit of time to figure it out because uh, you want to do what's best for you and for the long run. So talk with people, explore options, build some skills, and and doors will open. You'll figure it out. That's great advice. I remember feeling you know kind of frustrated with with what you're saying and talking with people and they're like, oh, just keep, you know, just keep going. And I'm like, this is all so vague. Somebody like throw me a line, like help me out. What do I do? Did you feel like when you chose instructional design or at least chose to take that next step, I assume it wasn't this really clear picture, right? It's not, it's, it's not a really clear picture. It's a step and it's, it's progress, but but yeah, just a continual progress of personal development and growth. So yeah, definitely. Well, and at that point, I don't think I totally knew what instructional design was either. And I didn't know what my end goal was. I mean, I did not anticipate working at higher ed institutions for years either. And, um, and those internships really just kind of happened, unfolded as the time went on too. So yeah, don't feel like you have to have necessarily a long-term plan and know exactly where you want to be and what you want to do. I think just one step at a time and it'll present itself or you'll figure it out. Yeah. I love thinking about how like it's a career path. It's not a destination, you know? So on that same note, looking at where you are in your path presently and, and in your life path, right? I guess if you were looking to your future, I don't mean to put you on the spot or to have this be really hard, but sometimes it's nice for, for teachers who are in the circumstance of like, I don't really know what to do next. Like, like where do you see things going forward? Do you think you'll stay at the university level? Do you think you'll ever want to work like remotely from home or, or anything about your future path or maybe take instructional design, a different way of interest, anything like that? Yeah. So, I mean, I would like to stay at this job, at least for a few years. I mean, the way that my life has worked recently, I've just had a lot of changes. And so I wasn't at the other jobs as long as I had hoped or wished, which is fine. But so I'm hoping to stay here at least for a few years. And then I would like to explore some other options and see. It's been great to be in higher ed, but I mean, I would like to see what some corporate options look like or some working from home options look like. And the nice thing is with instructional design, because in my field, it is a lot of online learning. A lot of people do work remotely. Um, and so, and I mean, even currently at my job, we all work remotely at least, you know, one day a week, some days more, but so yeah, I haven't quite figured out my next steps yet, but, but yeah, I think it's just important that it's always 
growth, not just letting yourself kind of stagnate and get too comfortable. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what comes next. As far as you mentioned, you know, advising with a professor and helping them choose what to put in their course. Can you give us maybe an example of something that happened recently or, or not recently, but, you know, if it's working with a biology professor or with a math professor? Um, yeah, any, any specific examples of something that was discussed and maybe a recommendation you have or, or what you guys did because of it? Yeah, um, definitely. So, well, and one thing I wanted to also point out is they're the content expert. So no professor expects you to understand or know their content. They're just looking to you to understand the teaching and learning principles and tools and things like that. Um, Cause I know that was also intimidating for me thinking, we, I don't, I don't know all of these topics either, but you're not supposed to either. It's fine. Okay. So I'm working with some global courses. So we offer some courses at some micro campuses around the world. Um, and so was recently working with a professor who had some questions about what tools might work in some of these different countries. And we had done some, some testing and had talked with some people in these different countries to find that out. And so for me, it was saying something along the lines of like, well, we're concerned about the bandwidth in these countries and we've learned from data we've gathered from students asking them questions that it's best if the videos are between five and 10 minutes. And so letting them know, letting him know like, okay, so let's go through your topics and um, chunk your topics. And so that it's more realistic to have a video that's, you know, five to 10 minutes. And here are some things that you can talk about based on what content you've already given me. Or it might be something like um, maybe a professor feels like students in their discussion board are posting at the very end. And so there isn't that interaction between students. And so they're wondering how they could get students more involved. Um, and so it's offering suggestions like, well, you know, let's put a due date on Wednesday. So people post once on Wednesday and then respond to each other by Friday. Or recently a professor had questions about testing. Like what can I do other than having them monitored online while they're taking a test? And so I just offered some suggestions like let's set a time limit so that they, you know, can't just be pulling out their book and, you know, looking through things or let's make a question bank. So it's pulling multiple questions. And so everyone's not getting the same question or randomizing questions and answers. And, you know, so just simple things like that, that you also kind of just learn on the job as you go. And as you hear other instructional designers talking or learn from your own experience. Um, so yeah, those are just a few different examples of, of times when I give them some advice on something, a question that they had. That's so great. Those are awesome examples. Thank you. Yes. Really cool. And cool to hear about the micro campuses around the world. That's really awesome. Um, Laura, did you know someone at these universities that helped you land your job? Sometimes it's who you know, or did you just shoot a resume? Uh, great question. So a little bit of both. Uh, so at UVU, I didn't, I knew someone in the office, but not necessarily on the team. Um, and I actually had a friend who had applied for the position. And I thought, oh, me too. So I did. I did know someone there in my current job. I didn't know anyone. I just shot out a you know, application and, and it worked out. So I think in terms of 
maybe getting a first experience, it might be helpful to know someone who can help you and mentor you through, but don't feel like you need to know someone every time. So much of it, I think, is connections, you know, and and I think sometimes people think, you know, grad school is going to give me the connections. And for some people, if their school is well-networked like that, that can be the case. But if you if you do know people or if you can network effectively, um, yeah. And, and I, our course can definitely be a great source for networking for people also. And now you're kind of part of people's network as well. So, oh, yeah, so that's definitely. great. Okay, here is another question. This might be too much of a brag question, but were there any general things you feel like you've learned or mistakes or tendencies from the beginning that you've noticed in yourself or in other instructional designers who are just starting out? That's a great question. Um, okay, so tendencies or mistakes that I learned early on. Yes, one thing. So I think, so as a teacher... Um, you want to be really creative and you're thinking of all of these great ideas. And as an instructional designer, it's important to be creative too. Um, but I think for me, I was thinking a little bit too hard about it. I think I kind of overcomplicated things for myself and I thought, oh, I need to have all of these activities and all of these, all of this content and all of these things and realize that, I mean, simple is often better. I mean, I think it was also just the transition of learners, right? Like young learners are different than adult learners. And so I think that's one thing I noticed with myself. Um, in terms of other uh, in terms of other instructional designers, I think to um, similarly understanding how to work with professors, how to work with others. Um, I'm trying to think of how to how to describe that. Um, and this also just comes with experience, but I think realizing what motivates people and what doesn't motivate people, because sometimes it can be, um, you can feel confused, like, oh, how can I help this professor or how can I get them motivated? Um, but I think realizing, helping them realize you're on their team and that you're here to help them and not just trying to like overtake their course and tell them everything that needs to be different and better. So I think those are just a few things, if, the, if that makes sense, that I would think about as you're starting out simplifying and how you can interact with professors in an effective way. That's great. It also just reminds me of kind of how we've been mentioning, like you don't need to know all of it, yeah. you know, to, to, to get started. No. And I feel like a lot of it is the soft skills, like talking with people and problem solving and, you know, asking questions and, and those sorts of skills that you learn a lot as a teacher because you're constantly working with parents and administration and students and things like that too. So I think really capitalizing on those soft skills that you have and are, you know, continuing to develop. Excellent. So great. Okay. Here is another question. In your current position, would you welcome a student to intern in order to gain experience? Is that a normal request? Great question. Yeah. That All is of these great. are great questions. Yeah. Do they take interns or or just new hires? They do take interns. The one thing with education, as we're all familiar with, is there isn't there isn't a whole lot of money in education. It's not like industry. Um, and so an internship may not be paid in that sort of sphere. But I know when, but it depends because some may. I know when I was at UVU, we brought in an intern for the summer. And I think it was a paid position for her and she was a grad student. And um, 
helped us with some basic tasks. Um, in my current one, I know that we hire some students, but I'm sure that that our director would be willing to have some, someone come in and, you know, try some things out and do some mentorship. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's worth exploring. And whether they're paid or not will vary from institution to institution, but I think most places are, are willing to let you come and learn and try or at least talk with someone. Yes. So I would go online and decide what institution that you're interested in uh, getting in touch with and finding the director. So like at UVU, the director of the Office of Teaching and Learning, or, you know, at BYU, the director of um, BYU Online, or I'm not familiar with Idaho schools, you know, or at U of A, you know, the director of my Office of Digital Learning, and reaching out to them and exactly what you said, letting them know what skills you do have and that you're interested in learning more and, you know, would love to be able to help with projects or shadow to begin with or you know just letting them know who you are what you can do and what your time constraints are like hey I have this summer I'd love to help and then they'll funnel you to who can help you Um, but generally I think it would be the director that would make that sort of decision you could even find maybe their assistant I would probably if they have one listed online too but yeah I think that's a great idea Okay. Excellent. Okay. Another question. Lara, do we need to have a graduate degree in instructional design? Do you work with people that don't? Yeah, that's a great question. So no, you don't have to have a graduate degree in instructional design. Um, There are quite a few people who have a graduate degree in something related, whether it's instructional design or educational technology in terms of an instructional design position, at least at my school, they want you to have a master's in something. We have course support specialists that do similar things, but are more on the support side. Um, and they don't have master's degrees, but they don't have specific instructional design degrees. And some of them have even moved up from course support specialist to instructional design. But at least at a higher ed institution, I would recommend having some sort of master's degree uh, to do ID. Yeah, that is something I definitely see with universities, you know, and kind of makes sense with the culture of a university that they would also be like, we're, we're a university. We Degrees are, are bread and butter. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's, right. that's basically how they make their money as well, you know, not that they're yeah. in it for the money, but. but right. Yeah. But I know a lot of institution or, you know, corporate where that's not necessary. So I think it right. just depends. Well said. Okay. What do you enjoy most about what you do? I uh, love that it's still student focused, um, that it's still education and and helping teachers. Um, And I like it. I mean, it's fun to learn different content and to see um, what's happening in these other classes. Um, I mean, I'm kind of a nerd and would love to take a class in everything. And so it's kind of fun to, you know, get that without having to do the work myself, you know? And so that's been enjoyable. Um, I think also, I mean, it is nice to have an avenue to learn new tools and, and to see what's happening in industry. So that kind of lifelong learner, because, you know, things are constantly changing. It, it kind of forces you to, to be that way. So I think those are some of the things that I mean, I liked already before and, you know, kind of just have sought out or or capitalized on now. Um, Can we add one other question? And this is, this is a great question because this is really where a lot of, a lot of our audience is right now. So 
Um, she said, I can, I can see how teacher skills are transferable, but the thing I'm wondering about is getting past the learning curve and like the difference between K-12 and a company or university level training. I, I can tell it's something I could be good at. I'm just not sure how to get to that point. So a teacher's in her classroom or I guess right now teaching from home, right? Um, and, you know, they can see here's instructional design. Here's kind of how it's similar. But how do I get there? You know, and we've mentioned like, okay, learn some of these tools, add these things on your resume and, and whatnot. And we've seen that with some of our course members who've already landed jobs. They just did their first thing in storyline, had it on their resume. It was posted on careerbuilder.com, right? And anyway, or, or wherever people are posting their resumes and, and someone saw it and hired them. But, but yeah, if someone's trying to bridge that gap from classroom teacher to instructional designer, yeah, that's a good question. Um, and it can seem intimidating because it really is not too much different from what you're already doing. Like, yes, it feels that way. And yes, it is because little kids are different than adults. But at the same time, like not too much different, honestly. Like, so I think in addition to maybe, you know, taking some courses of your own to see what that looks like and knowing those tools, you know, maybe also reading up on what motivates adults versus children um, and thinking of um, yourself and, you know, your own experiences and how you like to learn and what that looks like and just kind of transitioning, you know? So if you are, you know, I'm trying to think of, of some examples of activities we did in, in K6. If you're having a, you know, a, you're reading and discussing something with kids, you're going to read and discuss things with adults too. It's just going to be different questions and different books um, and different ways to do it. So I think bridging the gap is just being exposed more to adult learning um, and what, what that looks like and just pivoting because it's a lot of the same same principles and, and perspectives. I think, I don't know, Ali, yep. what? hundred percent. Absolutely. Okay. Especially in certain roles, you know, like you're saying, you're like, teachers come to me and they're like, I don't know how about how to, you know, have this be an engaging learning experience. And I say teachers, but really professors are the subject matter experts, right? They're good at their content, but they don't always know how to relate something clearly or teach something clearly. So I think everything you've said has been, you know, encouraging for people to hear this is, you know, what you did as a teacher and just that example that you just barely gave and the really practical, very clear information that you've given of here's what I do day to day. Here's what Canvas look, looks like. It's, it's not that intimidating. You just click add a module and click, okay, now let's have a class discussion. Okay, now let's, here's some information or whatever. So I know this has been really, really helpful for everyone. So yeah, um, thanks. Yeah. Sorry. I have one more thing with that Absolutely. too. Absolutely. I think too, when you're in the midst of other experts in your field, like as a teacher, you know, you're surrounded by teachers who have been teaching 20 years or, you know, teachers who have teach been teaching one year, at least for me, it was easy to feel like, what do I really know? What can I really contribute? And also moving into instructional designer position, like, do I really know enough? You know, I'm working with these professors who have been teaching their craft for 20 years and they're amazing. But realizing that you do have something to offer, because like Ali was saying, I mean, these professors are content matter experts. A lot of them didn't go to school to learn how to write learning objectives and, and how to, you know, create assessments or engaging activities. And so realizing that you're helping them provide that perspective. And so it is that, that team, you do have something 
to share and you don't have that experience and knowledge, even though sometimes it may feel like, well, what do I really know? But they didn't learn what you learned. They haven't, you know, had that distinct instruction or, or practice or experience. So trust yourself and what you know. You do know a lot. You have a lot to share. That is so good. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Cause I know a lot of teachers, you know, and they're even commenting and saying like, thanks so much for, for everything that you shared. You know, sometimes it can just feel like, Oh, well, I'm just a teacher, but hello, that's like educator skills. It's everything that Lara has been saying, like, that is what's valuable. That's why they're reaching out to you. That's why they need you. So yeah. Thanks for encouraging them to have confidence in what they're yeah. contributing with that. So yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you. Like personally, thank you. And thank you as everyone's saying, commenting with thank yous as well. And, and just for your example of having the courage to, to follow your gut, to go beyond the classroom and, and to continue to share your influence and your skills in your sphere of influence in different roles and different ways. So thank you. This has been great. And something that's near and dear to my heart, because I mean, I think you and I have had conversations about this many times over the years. So thanks for having me is it was great to be able to share and um, to be able to reflect on my own experience too. If you enjoyed this episode, then you're going to love what Lara shares with our course members. She is going to show you the behind the scenes. You're going to see into the LMS systems that she uses. She's going to tell you about the technology that she uses most and why she loves it, why it's good for her in her particular role to use those systems and tools. Not only that, she even offers to look over your resume and provide feedback on things like that. So if that is of interest to you, totally hop into our course. If you want to open new opportunities for your future with your teaching skills, then enroll in our course from teacher to instructional designer. This is so much more than just an online course. You will finish the course ready to confidently apply to jobs with a resume and cover letter that are already created for you with customizable templates and with your personal portfolio that showcases the instructional design skills you already have and those that you will gain through the course. You'll receive a professional development certificate that you can share with your school for PD hours, and you'll also have the option to get a certificate in instructional design and instructional development that you can showcase on your resume. On top of that, I'll show you the best places to find the kind of job you want, and our whole community is here to support you in our private course member-only group. So, your future is calling. Are you ready to answer? Go to teachertransition.com forward slash ID and sign up now. And be sure to sign up soon so that you can join us in a live kickoff. The sooner you join, the more content in the course that you'll be able to go through so that you can ask all the questions that you have and get all the personalized support that you want as we do a live class meetup soon. Also, the cost of the course is going to be going up. So be sure to jump in sooner rather than later so that you can join us live and get the best price. This episode may have ended, but connecting doesn't have to. Join us on Facebook or Instagram and get the support and inspiration you need in your personal educator path. If you're loving the podcast, help us spread the word. Leave a review or screenshot the episode, share it on social media, and be sure to tag us at Teacher Transition. 
Who knows? We may even feature what you share on our social media feed too. Until next time, teacher friends, be sure to click subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the upcoming episodes. Good luck with the great things you're up to right now and keep looking forward to the amazing things to come. Thank you.